Welcome to Leading to Sales. My name is Brett Williams. I am your host today. And uh, I know I say this about probably most shows, if not almost every show, but today is a special show for me. And I'm really, really excited about this one um, because as I kind of teased last week and have been teasing for the last couple of weeks, today's special surprise guest that was just announced today is none other than my brother, Seth Williams. Now, what's the likelihood of two brothers ending up in different types of marketing? I don't know. You could have, you'd have to ask somebody else, but I've known that I was going to have him on the show for a while. We finally got our schedules synced up so we could make this happen, and you're going to be in for a treat. If nothing else, it'll be one of the most unique shows that, you, that you've watched or tune into later via podcast. So I will be right back with Seth right after this intro. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Welcome to the show, Seth. How's it going, man? Just great. How are you, Brett? I am awesome. I am awesome. Um, so like I said, Seth is my brother. Um, and you know, I know nobody would ever be able to, to think that given what we are, uh, how, how different we look. Right. <laughs> but what are you talking about identical twins. <laughs> I don't think that's ever been anything we've been accused of. Um, but Seth is down in the Atlanta area and the thing that Seth has done, um, that amazes me is that Seth has built uh, his own personal brand as well as helped the top agent in the state of Georgia build a brand of selling and marketing some of the finest homes in the country. Um, and so that's that's honestly from a purely selfish point of view. That's the reason I wanted to have him on, um, you know, le leading to sales, because this podcast is not about brothers getting together and talking. It's about leadership, sales and marketing. And that's what Seth has really uh, set the pace for. And I might be slightly biased, but we are brothers. So they're still, you know, I got to make sure I, I outpace him on the sibling rivalry piece. <laughs> but um, Seth, if you want to just do a quick intro of yourself, who you are, what you've got going on, um, and maybe a little bit about your background. Um, yeah, I, Seth Williams, I do live in Atlanta. I've lived in, uh, DC, Atlanta and different parts of Tennessee. Um, I majored in psychology and business administration at the university of Tennessee, um, which I think ties straight into real estate. It's half marketing and business and everything else, but most of it is psychology, um, and kind of helping people. Uh, find what they need based around their psychology of who they are. Um, what else? What else? What else did you say for me to introduce? Some of the stuff that you've got going on right now, like you've you're you're balancing a lot of different pieces in like that sales de sales development and marketing roles that you that you're in right now. Yes. Yeah, so I help Chase Mizell. He's the top agent in Georgia. Um, I help him with business development, anything. Um, administrative. Um, we have a lot of creative marketing we both like to do. Um, and that's also done on the um, international level with Sotheby's International Realty. Um, so we work a lot with the corporate offices and with the Atlanta offices um, here. Um, I've also uh, transitioned back and forth between DC and Atlanta a few times, but I've always stayed with Sotheby's with the brand um, just because I'm 
kind of obsessed with the brand. I mean, that's what I wanted to be <laughs> and uh, where I wanted to be doing real estate. And uh, yeah, that was always one of my goals. So you're you're in a very unique position, um, given the global pandemic we're facing right now, because I know real estate's kind of been on a roller coaster. Um, and, and I'm sure that even the marketing side of it, it's, it's had to become even more digital than you were before. And you've always been a forward thinker. You've always been the one that was, that understood the value of the digital presence for real estate. But what, what changes have you seen since, I guess we're now coming right up on a year, um, with everything going on with COVID and everything else. Um, you know, our company and our book of business has actually taken off during COVID. It was never really slowed down. Um, I think it was 10 days in when the governor of Georgia did um, kind of set everything back to normal, which, you know, whether or not that was the best decision, but real estate is a required business to stay open. People always have to be moving, um, whether it's job changes, um, children, anything like that. Uh, people lost a lot of money and couldn't afford to keep their money tied up in real estate investments. Um, yeah. So, I also think people just had a lot more time to sit around at home and see what they liked, what they didn't like, and stare at that one thing that always bothers you all day. <laughs> um, and for that reason, business kind of took off this year. We uh, chased tripled in numbers. Uh, usually we do between 40 and 50, 55 million. Uh, this year we cleared 105 million. So, And that um, broke a record, right? In the state of Georgia, uh, the first two hit 100 million and... Um, 105 million was number one in the state. See, that's so tell me this, like, I know that you and, and Chase as well, you've always been that very digitally minded, like you, you all understand the value of digital. Um, and I think, I think the real estate industry as a whole has done a pretty good job of shifting toward that. But what are some of the things that you think that y'all have done? That's, that's really lifted the bar in that business development marketing realm. the top of some good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it goes into, um, like I said, digging into the psychology of who you are trying to uh, connect with to whether it's to sell them a home or to sell them uh, really anything. I feel like now it's more important than ever to um, navigate your marketing game with that what who are you trying to attract what are they like um what are their hobbies um i forget who it was that told me this it was probably somebody we knew together in high school but um when you go into an interview you should never think about what is the question going to be they're going to ask for anything like that you need to try and form some kind of personal relationship so I feel like when you're marketing anything, especially homes, it's not really about uh, what you're marketing. I mean, you can go and Google anything you want to, to find a vendor to produce anything. It's more about how are you going to make a personal connection with whoever your customer is going to be. Um, so when we're marketing homes, when we're helping buyers look for homes, you really have to have an eye on what makes them attracted to different things as an individual, not so much um, wide view, you know, what neighborhoods do you like? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how have you seen that y'all been able to do that on like the, the macro scale, you know, like as a real estate agency and in, in an office, you know, you, you know, what kind of homes that you all have I and mean, y'all, you all 
um, specialize in more of the, the luxury, what I would call the luxury market. And I'm, I may be completely off base. So just correct luxury me. Luxury is a way of doing business, Brad. It is not a price point. There you go. Okay. So they special in, hen in helping luxury clients. They have a luxury process. But right. so, so a more premium market. And so you know generally some of the macro things that your clients are looking for. So how do you tailor your marketing to make sure that you're doing that before they ever even come in to start talking to you? Um, it, it depends. Are you talking more buyer side or seller side or altogether when you're listing the home, I guess? Yeah, just altogether. I mean, I, I've seen some of the amazing media that you all have produced and some of the, um, the ins and outs like that you all do just to make sure that you're focusing on the premium side. Is that part of what it is or, or what are some of the other pieces? Yeah. I mean, it is, and it does go into the luxury thing, but I think more so it's looking at different, um, homes and picturing the, and hopefully this answers the question. You can repeat it if it doesn't, but I think it's picturing the, the customer that you need it to pull into. So what are the different, um, and I'm trying to also make this a broad uh, explanation. What are the different uh, ways that a certain personality type are going to be attracted to what you're doing? And what are the different ways um, people in general will be attracted to something? You really have to highlight that stuff and not only, you know, take a picture of it, but uh, whether it's doing walkthroughs on your Instagram, on your Instagram story, you have to make the person feel like they're there in order to, um, attract them over into what you're looking for them to be attracted to. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's awesome. And here, here's, here's what I want to highlight. Cause a lot of our, a lot of our viewers are, um, you're B2B professionals, you're in the marketing realm, you're in the sales realm and you're like, great, this is wonderful. How in the world am I supposed to apply on any of this? And here's what Seth is highlighting that he doesn't even realize he's, he's doing it because it's, he's just become unconsciously competent when it comes to this. But what he's talking about is knowing your clients and your prospective clients so well that you know what and where to highlight, that you know how you want to feature your product. And here's one of the positions that that Seth is in that we generally as B2B marketers aren't necessarily in is Seth has very little input on the development of the product that he's selling. He, it's very, my guess is, and, and my understanding, and you again, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is it's very rare that you are going into partnering with a builder. It is often you are marketing existing properties and things like that, right? Um, correct. There are a lot of times though, and I think that's one thing I would say um, also pushes it to where you become an expert in something instead of just a salesperson. Um, is you become known as the expert. So oftentimes, yeah, people are just looking to buy a resold home, but it's also clients calling you that know you are in it and wanting to remodel something or, you know, wanting certain, you know, needing any kind of vendor. They know that you're the go-to. And um, I think that helps just pump up business that much more because it also keeps you in the front of their head. You know, they... and Owning a house takes a lot of different moving parts. You have your plumbing. I mean, something's always messing up. You're always needing something. So it's becoming that um, that expert in all of your clients' head to where you're also helping in those different parts too. And yeah, there are a lot of builders, you know, that work exclusively with us. 
Um, and when they're building the homes, they'll, you know, they want our input on what they need to put in, where their money needs to go. Cause that's, yeah. Once you become the expert, people treat you like the expert. Yeah. And this, you know, again, I'm going to do some translation here. Um, not because Seth's, Seth's doing an amazing job on talking about what his specialty is, what his expertise is. Um, but when it comes to the B2B side of him, this, what he's talking about is number one, he's always thinking value. He's always giving value, giving help. And he's, he is positioning himself to be valuable to his clients and prospective clients. And the other side of this is realizing that you, when you are, when you have a product that you're, that you are working to market, the more, you know, the audience that would want that product is going to position you better to be able to market that product to them because you know how to highlight what's important to them. Because it's the old Zig Ziglar quote. He talks about people's favorite radio station is WIIFM, what's in it for me. And so it's, you know, that's what Seth specialized himself into doing. Um, real quick, I'm going to hit some of these comments because. Uh, I can't oh, go down. Oh yeah. we got live comments. Uh, Cody Lures. Now Cody is actually somebody I need to introduce you to Seth. He's a good friend of mine and a, a member of the mastermind I'm a part of out in Arizona. He says, and I'm sure you would completely agree with this. You have to define your dream home before you can find your dream home. Totally. Um, and then Chris Gaskell, <laughs> no way. How did you land your brother? I had to really twist his arm, Chris. It was, uh, it was quite a work of, of convincing. I, I I had to practice my sales acumen on oh, <laughs> getting him in. I and then the, yeah, the, the smartest woman I know came in and she said, do you work to anticipate the needs of your clients or more use people skills to discover their needs or both? That's a good question. The smartest woman, you know, yeah, I can't believe, how did you get her on here? I can't yeah. really pay attention to it. No kidding. Um, <laughs> wait, let me see that question one more time. I didn't see it. Yeah. So by the way, this is my wife. That's the reason she's the smartest woman I know in case anybody's wondering. Um, do you work to anticipate the needs of your clients or more use people skills to discover their needs or both? I think it's a juggling act. I think um, you, have to, you have to pay attention to where you have the ability to anticipate their needs as you get to know them, especially if it's not someone you're super close with that just contacts you. Um, but uh, th there's also the side where you have to um, kind of know what they're looking for before you need to know your market before, you know, but I think that can transition into any kind of sales, any kind of B2B business. You, yeah. you have to know how you, how you're going to go about it. Yep. Totally agree. So you're, you know, one of the things that I love about what the position you're in, because you're also an active realtor, you're, you are helping, um, Chase, who's, who's the top agent in, the state of Georgia, but you're also an active realtor in and of right, yourself. I license, yeah. um, and so you kind of, you have to play this balance as a realtor between sales and marketing, which I love because I'm, I'm, I, I like to say that, that I like to help people bridge the gap between the two. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that mode, you said you have to become the expert, not the salesperson. Yeah. So what is, what do you think are some of the things that have helped you do that? Um, well, I think it, well, real estate really on, at some aspects is straight marketing, um, whether you're buying or selling or helping someone buy or sell it's straight marketing. Um, but I think going back to what we were talking about earlier and kind of going further, I think it's, 
one thing we always do is we connect ourselves with people who also, you know, we represent the buying or the selling of the property. We don't yeah. represent builders. I mean, we do, but we are not a builder. We are not um, an attorney. We are not a mortgage broker. Um, we're not any of that stuff. So it's also coming into contact and connecting yourself and your business to other experts uh, and kind of uh, that kind of leads to this web of um, experts that people can really rely on and trust. And I think that just like you said, I think it adds more value. Absolutely. I'm, I'm literally taking notes. So <laughs> if anybody hears a pause, if you're, if you're listening to the, uh, to the podcast later on, on the replay, that's the reason that you'll hear moments of silence on my side. Um, so tell me this, and I want to kind of take it back a little bit. Um, a lot of people don't know how you landed in real estate. Um, it, was that, a a dream of yours or was that, um, something you just kind of fell into and then found out you loved? Um, yeah, I don't know. Something always kind of attracted me to it. Um, I like to say it started in childhood. I mean, I, I was always so infatuated and, you know, we had a, we had a family of six. Um, my best friend was an only child and I always wanted to go to his house cause I was sick of six kids. being. <laughs> and, but he always wanted to come to my house cause he wanted more people around him. And things like that throughout my childhood kind of I was infatuated with well why do people feel so cozy in different ways and what is it that makes up this thing that they call home um so I, I guess I was interested in the psychology of it and then when I was in college trying to figure out what I wanted to do I switched my major five or six times um and then when I was I think 19 I got my Tennessee license um went from there to work for a finance company to save up money. And then I just left for DC, uh, worked some temp jobs, but I continued to email the Sotheby's uh, corporate or the Sotheby's in DC to try and get an interview and just wanted to land an interview. Um, finally, I didn't realize I was actually emailing the VP who had, I'm sure plenty of other things to do, but <laughs> got annoyed enough with me enough to, um, send me off to someone to have an interview. I landed the interview, um, loved every second of it, worked as an assistant for the top team in DC downtown, um, and uh, then went to a Sotheby's conference to network, because that's what we do. Um, was poached there from by Chase, the Atlanta agent. Um, it just- The rest is history. There. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So, I mean, the thing that I love about the way that you have positioned yourself is that you're not just kind of putting yourself into the box of the typical real estate agent, but you're really positioning yourself as the resource, both to your, to the real estate clients, but you're really even positioning yourself as a real, as a huge resource to now chase and, and his office. Mm -hmm. So there are some people who will tune in who may be earlier on in their sales or marketing careers um, and they're trying to kind of find their way and, and find how they can position themselves to be performing at, at the top like you are. Um, what would what kind of advice would you give them, you know, in their journey? Um, I saw a quote the other day. I'm going to butcher it and I'm sure somebody's going to hear it and know what it is. But, um, you know, it's a clap, something like clap for everyone until it's your turn. Hmm. Um, that's good. 
So I think there's always in the same way you're adding value to your own book of business. There's nothing I do that's helping other people um, that is not helping me too. whether it's learning more, gaining experience, um, just helping my own uh, reputation to help people. I, so I don't think there's ever, as long as you're working towards your goal and as long as you're following the footsteps that are presented to you, uh, it also goes back to that, you know, you don't know, you can't, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just the first stair. Um, you just take baby steps one at a time. That's all you can focus on. Um, and it's just kind of landed me in the position where I'm at. Uh, and I enjoy it. I mean, I love the energy behind real estate in general, but I love the marketing of it. Um, I wake up every day and I'm not completely dreading everything. So, um, I guess that's all you can do is just take one baby step at a time. Yeah. So true. So tell me this, what do you see on the horizon? I mean, you're, you're in the trenches right now, um, balancing this act of being a salesperson and a marketer and, and really positioning yourself as an expert. What do you see coming down the pike? Both you can, we can, we can start off with real estate and then maybe go from there to marketing in general. Dr. Scott in the trash. Um, <laughs> hey, if anybody ever wondered if this is actually live, now you know because we have dogs getting in the trash live during the show. So that's that's the best part about this is you're getting raw. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, can you repeat that really quickly? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, as you're down and as you're in the trenches and you're you're like I said, you're keeping that balance between sales and marketing and positioning yourself as the expert. I mean, there's no question that that COVID has changed things and changed how people are going to interact and how people are going to do business across the board. I don't care whether it's B2B, B2C, real estate or anything else. What are you what do you see coming on the horizon? What do you see changing, changing? And we can start with real estate and then we can graduate to kind of marketing in general. Um, actually, I was thinking about this the other night. I feel like marketing in general is changing into more of a storytelling role. Um, it used to be focused on the psychology of what colors pop and what people are wanting to see and what is the American dream and uh, what, and that's where people's advertising and marketing dollars went now. And I feel like now um, people just don't care. I mean, like I said, I can Google real estate agent in Atlanta and pull up a thousand profiles in two seconds. Yeah. Um, people want to feel connected to your product, to your business, to you and have a backstory and have something that they can connect to. Otherwise they're just not interested. I mean, even B2B sales, computers are not choosing who they pick as their vendors. Um, who are you selling to? Who is your customer and how can you connect with them? And what do they want to hear to make them feel included? And I even think you see that um, in diversity in all different ways. Um, you know, there are whole markets of people that are left out and marginalized out of marketing because they don't look a certain way or act a certain way or something. And they still have them. They still have money just like anyone else does. They still want business just like anyone else does. They want to build their own business just like anyone else. Um, and I think companies have seen now that when your customer or individuals can see themselves and feel themselves as valuable to you or your business and they understand through storytelling, um, I think that's where you can really connect and make meaningful kind of uh, 
clients. I mean, I guess it makes it more, uh, I'm at a loss for it. You're just more connected to clients and it's easier to grow. Yeah. People respect you more. Um, and I think that's what I see changing. Um, that first, that's amazing. Um, that's, it's that, uh, <laughs> people want to feel connected to you and your brand and your, and your products. And they want to see, again, it's that what's it, what's in it for me, but, but they, most people won't, um, how is, I can't remember exactly how the quote says it's, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, so how, from a macro level, cause here's the thing is we all face this macro and micro of, of marketing and sales. So you've got the, the macro. Okay. Yes, we we're going to need to become more story focused. We're going to need to to be able to connect. But there's always the scaling question, and that uh, that's not necessarily for this show. We'll talk we'll talk later about that. But from a macro level, because you know it's easy it's easier to connect one on one. There's no question about that. You know, if it's me and you, and we're in a home, or we're on a live show, or we're on a Zoom, it's easier to connect. But when I'm thinking about from a macro level for a larger company or even for, you know, for an agency like your, like your own, what do you see or, or what are your opinions on how a business can position itself to connect deeper and, and go deeper in that storytelling aspect? Um, I think that marketing and sales in general, I think it's coming up to, um, I'm trying to think of how to work the age of the empath. Um, if you are not an empath, then you need to hire one. If you cannot connect to that side of things to be able to have not only empathy through what other people are having to go through anything like that empathy and being able to feel yourself in someone else's shoes, being able to open yourself up in that way to think of, how to market to them and how to get them to see you as valuable, then you're really missing out on something. So if you can't do that and you can't connect with people, I think you're, you're turning down the wrong road already. Um, so if you're not an empath and you don't really, you know, some people just look at Excel sheets all day and they don't care about the other things. <laughs> that's great. But I think the second you put empathy into the business equation, um, you're going to see instant improvement, but I don't think until, you know, like, like I said, if you're not that type of person, you need to hire that type of person or get them to help you out because that's just how people connect to anything. And you see that in, um, I'm sure you've read on the wine industry. Um, some people like cigars, not yeah. me, but, um, some people like, he's looking down. He couldn't see me pointing at him. Um, <laughs> no, I was, I was taking notes. I've got to take notes the way this is yeah, going. Yeah, you get more into the backstory. You get more into, how you can relate to these different businesses and that's where they pull you in and that's where they become clients that trust you. And it can't be something that is, um, faked or, um, anything like that. Cause people can feel when you're genuine. Gosh, that's so true. That's so true. I was just having a conversation, um, about somebody or about this with somebody earlier and I keep referencing this and I don't know if I referenced this the last show or not. Um, but I feel like I've referenced this like nine out of 10 of the last shows, John Maxwell's everyone communicates, few connect. Um, I, there's no John Maxwell, believe it or not, he is not paying me. He doesn't even know who I am. 
Uh, maybe if, Hey, if you know, John Maxwell, anybody who's tuning in, if you know, John Maxwell and you know, somebody wants to come on the show, let me know. Uh, but everyone communicates. If you connect in this book, he says, you cannot add value to people until you first value people. And I think that's really what you're talking about is, is having that empathy and, and giving value. Um, and so I'm going to get hyper tactical with you for a minute. Oh, yay. <laughs> Seth loves it when I like to hit him with random, random off the wall questions. Do you see that, that empathy again, from a, from a macro level, from a more, from a more corporate standpoint, do you see that being implemented more through video going forward? Or do you think it's going to be, um, primarily around copywriting or do you think, I mean, obviously there's going to be some marriage of the two, but what do you think is going to be more important when we're talking about the one to many aspect of marketing? Um, I don't, I don't know if you, in my opinion, I don't think you can think of it that way. I think it, okay. it also might go into you being a little bit more, um, strategic with who you're trying to market to and what they look at. I mean, in oh, real that's estate, good. You know, when we have, there's different generations. And so we know when one of our target markets, um, are older people, older people, um, then the name just boomers um the boomer market they like <laughs> to hold paper so you're going to want your advertisements and your marketing on paper for them the newspapers they're still looking through them every day if you have a loft in the middle of downtown that you know 20 to 30 year olds are going to end up with you're going to need to market it differently probably more digital um yeah and then there's a whole different uh group that likes to sit and read a story so if you can tell that story through audio or visual or paper or an Instagram post, um, that's how you need to tell it. It's still connect. those people are intertwined throughout. But if you're looking at it from a macro level, I think you're kind of, you know. Yeah, I love that. You've got to be more strategic about who you're marketing to or who, about who you're targeting to. Um, I mean, anybody who has tuned into me for any amount of time knows that that one of the biggest things that I harp on and, and, and I can say that I harp on it because I say it a stupid amount is if you don't know who you're marketing to, then you're wasting your time. And if you think your message is meant for everybody, then you're really wasting your time because if you're trying to market to everybody, then you're going to market to nobody. Um, God, that's just so good. Be more strategic about who you are marketing to. Um that's amazing. So tell me, you know, uh, on the real estate and we're, we're, we'll start to kind of wrap up here on the real estate side, um, on the real estate side, you know, you, like I said, the, the industry is going through this transformation. You're seeing record breaking years. You're seeing, you know, month over month change and growth. Um, what, what does the age of the empath look like? Cause you, I, I'm going to completely steal that phrase just so you know, I'm actually going to, hire an attorney after the show and go have it trademarked. Okay. Um, <laughs> so waiting for my check each month. <laughs> if you ever wonder if we're brothers, there you go. What does the age of the empath look like for the real estate industry? What do you predict is going to change and, and what are your personal thoughts on that? I think it's already happened. I, th I think the shift has already happened and I think people have noticed it and they're taking more and more note. I think that quarantine um, and the whole thing that the world has gone through has done nothing but draw people more inward to really pay attention to what makes them happy. Um, yeah. They know themselves more than they've ever known themselves. 
Um, so I think it already knocks out this, um, almost said a word, uh, I think it knocks out this fraudulent way of marketing to people and trying to pull people in just by um, sliding different looking people into all your marketing. Um, yeah. You have to really be genuine with it or people can see through it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's already happened. I think that the quarantine and everything like that pushed it along a little quicker. Yeah. Because people are just more sure of themselves. And I, so I think when it, what was your question? When it comes down to marketing and real estate, how is it? Yeah. yeah. What do you see coming, coming on the, on the forefront? Um, I think you're going to see a lot more storytelling, a lot more video, um, which is that was happening beforehand. Um, the, they have a Matterport tours, which are just three, three D tours. There's a lot of different companies that do it, but people want to fill in this space. They want to understand how they're going to feel in the space, especially when they're not able to look at it so much. Um, and the different ways that we've found and started to implement to make that happen, I think is just going to help in certain sub markets, um, the relocation, um, the overseas buyer, um, it just makes people more comfortable and more happy with you as a salesman. If you are able to give them a, um, more of a feeling of they understand it and know it and are connected to it. That's so good. And that's products. It, for me, it's houses. It could be whatever you're selling. Yeah. And that's so, and I'll tag him later. I don't, he may, he's probably not tuning in right now. There's a copywriter that I've, that I've formed a little bit of a friendship with and know fairly well. Um, his name is Lee Rowley. And I love the way he positions this is that he, he has learned how to ride shotgun in your buyer's mind. And that's where you have to be. And the more strategic and more niche down, if you will, that you are. And, and I, here's the thing is I don't want to focus on the niche down piece because it's, I think it's just kind of almost become cliche, but the more strategic, just like Seth said, the more strategic that you are about who you're marketing to and understanding them and actually what matters to them and then developing a genuine attitude of wanting to give value and help that person through their process. That's when, that's when the difference comes out. That's when the authenticity comes out. That's when you can tell a story of actual empathy of connecting and actually being able to bridge that gap human to human more than business to business, business to consumer or, or any other industry. Um, so, uh, one of the things I would love to ask you, and if this is, this may catch you a little bit off guard, but you know, again, the smartest woman that, that I've, uh, that I know is popping this up here. Um, what resources do you see that can help educate people about the skills needed to market in a way that emphasizes empathy? Um, yeah, question up there. Cause yeah. she's really good at questions and I've got to take She that. really, she really, so while you're thinking about that question, again, I will go back to, uh, John Maxwell, everyone communicates if you connect. Um, that's, you know, to me, this is just, um, uh, a, a basic guide on understanding that it's not just about your messaging. It's about who that messaging is connecting with. Um, so for me, this would probably be my number one recommendation when it comes to, um, beginning to, to learn those empathetic skills and understanding that it's not just about a formula or a process, but it's actually about caring about people. So what would, what would your maybe recommendation be on that Seth? Anna's question, or did you just ask? Yeah, on, on, on Anna's question. I think it's uh, 
putting people in positions um, that don't think, look, weren't brought up like you are. Um, yeah. You know, you getting through diversity of opinion. Yeah. You might be an expert in your field. You might understand your cliche like perfectly. And that is great. But if you want to grow into anything at all, you need to be around people that are different, that see different, that understand people's minds differently. Um, and I think that all comes in hiring. I mean, you either yeah. put people with you that are going to help you grow or you um, add other people that are exactly like you um, that are going to have the same exact uh uh, thoughts that are, were, yeah. you know, and then you're limiting yourself and your business and it's just an ignorant way to do business in my opinion. Yeah. And that's, no, I, and I love that because, and, and here's the thing is, is Seth is, uh, and he can correct me if I'm wrong. He's talking about a diversity on a multitude of levels. You know, there are the, what, and it bothers me because it's become so corporatized, you know, it's almost, you know, like there's this, there's the diversity and inclusion phrasing that is just straight corporate legalese that doesn't actually mean that yeah. they're seeking diversity. Right. But above and beyond that, you know, you've got the the standard diversity, but you also have the diversity of thoughts and expertise. And like he's saying, upbringing and background. And I mean, there's so many different facets. And if you're, I can't remember who I once heard say this, but they said, hire your weaknesses. But you have to be introspective enough to understand what those weaknesses are, first and foremost. But then above and beyond that, Jen Gittimer likes to say it as you have to know your zone of genius. And if you know your zone of genius and you realize that if you're just hiring people with your same experience, same background, same upbringing, same ethnicity, same and viewpoint on life. Who's going to be a yes man for you and say yes to everything. Because, and here's the thing is it doesn't even have to be that their attitude is a yes person. It's that they have the same experience that you have. So therefore they're going to say yes to the same things you're going to, because that's what their experience and opinion is. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And so as we go out go into the age of the empath, as Seth just said, begin to prepare yourself to diversify your sphere of influence. And maybe you're a small business owner and you're not in a hiring place. You're like, Hey, I can't, I'm not even hiring anybody. I'm going it myself because we do have people that are tuning in that are consultants and trainers and coaches, and, and they are a business of one. And that's where surrounding yourself. Quickly. Say that again. I piggyback on that really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also comes down to even if you're a business of one or something, what else do your people need and who else can you connect with that can help you? You know, it doesn't always have to be hiring someone. Yes. Um, I need to know lenders. I need to know plumbers. I need to know, you know, and who are you bringing on with you as not a package deal, but as other experts that are different. Who's back. your network? Who's your network? Yeah. yeah. And your sphere of influence. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things is, is being recognized, recognizing in and of yourself that you have that sphere of influence. And I'll reference one more book. I have not finished this book. So this is kind of a risk for me because I normally do not do this if I haven't finished a book, but there is a book that I'm listening to and hopefully it doesn't just start playing here um, on audible called think again by Adam Grant. Um, I would encourage anybody who's listening, who's who is in that phase where you're like, Hey, you know what? I would like to kind of expand my sphere of influence and, and gain a better understanding of what's going on around me. 
um, and being able to contribute is even if you are that um, solopreneur where you're like your Seth, like Seth said, growing that network that you've got that book. Think again, it's a very new book that Adam Grant just released. And he really talks about thinking outside of the box in the being willing to rethink what your current beliefs and thoughts and processes are. Um, and he, he's an organizational psychologist. So he approaches it from the gamut, from a personal to a corporate, to a business and, and an intrapersonal relationship thing. So, and bring people to the table and let them talk. I mean, yes. let them explain things to you, how they see things. The only thing you're going to do there is if you allow that to happen and it's genuine is you're going to find holes in the market because other people aren't doing it. Yes. It's so true. So true. So as we're coming up here on the 40 minute mark, um, we'll just go ahead and start kind of closing out. Um, what kind of, what closing thoughts, you know, that, cause there's one difference between one big difference between Seth and I as brothers. Um, I'm the one who I'm like, Hey, give me a quick headline and I'm going to roll. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seth's like, there's a whole lot more than one. Um, <laughs> I'm the one that's like, give me a headline and I'm just going to roll. Seth is, Seth is a preparer. Um, and I know that he prepared for this show to the 10th degree. So what closing thoughts would you have for any of our viewers? Um, as we're closing out here, cause uh, you know, I, you're my brother and I trust you. So, you know, just don't say anything stupid, but, um, <laughs> just messing. That's the, really, I think we've covered what I was prepared to talk about, but I think that's just, regardless of what your business is in, become more genuine with it, become more empathetic, become more open to different, um, thoughts and processes and people that you aren't used to, that you're not comfortable with. At the end of the day, um, we live in a country that's a big, huge melting bowl. And if you ignore the fact that people think differently than you and you don't invite them to the table, you're missing out on a whole book of business that and really limiting yourself. Yep, totally agree. So with that, um, tell us just a little bit. This is this is the part where you all can all get an, get a better understanding of who Seth is and who he can help in his own business doing real estate. So tell us a little bit about who the people are that you can help, how you can help them and how they can get, get in touch with you um, and ask you for help in the ways that you'd like help. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm here. If people have questions, if people want to chit chat, if people want to bounce ideas. I love that. I'm on a few groups online where it's just creative thinkers. Um, I love doing stuff like that. Maybe Brett can create a group himself. Um, I like how he's putting the onus on me right there. <laughs> you already laid the groundwork. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can reach out to me. I think you have my Instagram, Brett. Um, uh, feel free to get in touch with Brett. Brett can put you in touch with me and give you my phone number. I'm wide open, open book, happy to help, happy to listen. Um, if you know anybody moving to Atlanta, definitely hit me up. So if you're, if you're in the Atlanta area and you're looking to sell a home, what kind of, what kind of people, what kind of, uh, market should get in touch with you? Are there specific geographies of Atlanta that you kind of handle or just absolutely. anywhere in the Atlanta area? Pretty, there's a lot of business inside the perimeter. We go outside the perimeter if it's needed. Uh, we sell a hundred thousand dollar lots. We sold the most expensive home sold in the history of Georgia. So anything in between there, um, I'm always open to. Okay. So if you are in the Atlanta area and you are looking to sell or buy a home, 
make sure that you hit Seth up. Um, again, his Instagram handle is at Seth Austin Williams. I've got that below for the podcast listeners. When you're listening later on, uh, if you've made it this far of brotherly banter, um, just make sure I'll put that in the show notes so you can check it out later. Um, and with that, Seth, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah. If you'll hang out here for just a second, I'll close this out and get everything prepped for next week. Thank All you. All right. So again, you know, you've got to see a very unique show today with uh, two brothers who somehow in the in this crazy world landed in the realm of marketing both of us. So obviously a little bit different tilts. Um, so again, if you're in the Atlanta area and you are looking to buy or sell a home in the near future, reach out to Seth. Um, I, I know Seth, if uh, if he can't help you directly, he will get you with somebody who can. I have no doubt. Um, but Thank you again all for tuning in. It's been an awesome show. Uh, I my excitement was not left with left to left waiting, if you will. Um, and I am so glad that we got a chance to have Seth on. We will be going live again. We are live every Monday and Thursday for now. We may actually be adding a time slot here soon to go three times a week um, because we have so many people that we want to make sure you get a chance to hear from thought leaders in the leadership sales and marketing industry, but we will be going live on Thursday. That is February 18th. We'll be going live at three 30 Eastern with none other than, uh, Doug wing himself. So Doug is the former CEO of the little giant ladder company. Um, he's got a lot of exciting things going on now. He is not currently the CEO of little giant, but he has, uh, his dad actually founded that company. And if you're not familiar with the little giant ladder company, definitely look them up. Um, I don't know how you couldn't be at this point, but make sure to look them up. He will be here again Thursday at 3.30. We will be live across all the social networks. And we were also across all the social or all of the podcasting platforms. If you are tuning in on a social network right now, I would just ask you to go ahead and make sure you hit that like button, that share button. Tell us if you're catching us on a replay by throwing hashtag replay in the comments and share this out with anybody you think that it could add value to. That's our number one goal is to help those people that are in the leadership, sales and marketing industries get the value they need to create the new normal going forward. I look forward to talking to you next Thursday. If you, by the way, if you are on a podcasting platform, drop a rating down in the, down there, let us know what you think, hit that subscribe button. So you make sure that you get all of my crazy banter back and forth with our guests. And other than that, I will see you live three 30 on Thursday. And until then I'm just here to keep reminding you either give value or just don't.